everyone. Welcome to the episode of Karen and Talks. I'm your host, Carolyn Hines. This is the podcast on Shoot the Channel, where I talk to film creatives about their work. And today, I am joined by director, Myla Inuksuk, actresses Tisana Shirley and Nala Joss-Alsworth. And we are going to discuss the new feature film of Slashback. And it is an indigenous sci-fi horror film, and I love it. <laughs> it's very different because I love how you reference so much, I think contemporary sci-fi um, films and horror films, as well as traditional, um, you know, folk tales and folklore. So uh, Nyla, can you first tell us about how you came up with the idea for a slashback and using the sci-fi genre to be the story rather than a different genre? Yeah, I think that the, the idea kind of came from just my love of movies. Uh, when I was a a kid, I loved scary movies in particular, Hitchcock and also Jurassic Park and Goonies and E.T. And those are kind of the kinds of movies that I would make with my friends when I just for fun when I was when I was a kid. And for me, growing up in Nunavut, where you can have such amazing adventures with your friends going out on bikes or, or wandering around town, it was, I thought, just a, a perfect kind of setting for a movie like this. Mm. And you this, and you said it in your home, um, this is your hometown, because it's set in Hanner Town, otherwise known as Pine in the film. So do, talk about choosing that as the location and filming there, because from what I read in the press notes, this is the first film, or first feature film anyway, to be filmed in that location. Yeah, it was a real challenge to film in Peng. We were actually told by other producers that it was impossible for us to do, and they were basically right. It was very, very hard. Um, but it actually is not my home community. I'm from Nunavut, but from a another community called Igloolik, which mm -hmm. is also very, very beautiful, looks completely different than Peng. And it was... Um, I got to travel to, to Peng in, when I was in my early twenties, making a documentary with the National Film Board about this tradition of square dancing that exists in this community. And then, uh, later my brother ended up with, uh, with a gal from Peng with, and having two of the most adorable children on the planet. One of which is, uh, an actor in, actor in the movie. Um, and so it was really kind of special for me to be making a kid's movie in for my, essentially for my nephews in this, um, the, the town where they grew up. Mm. And can you talk about, you, you had your location, now you needed to find your cast. I actually think I saw the proof of concept short for this film before. If it wasn't this, it was probably the tracer because I remember one of the girls, the yellow scarf that she wears, that image stuck in my head. I'm like, I saw this, but I'm like, I saw either the trailer or the proof of concept. So can you talk about finding your cast? Yeah, we did have this proof of concept that got around. We It was a big part of our pitch. Uh, and so we showed it at festivals. We showed it um, to a bunch of different producers, trying to get different partners, financing partners. Um, that a lot was, uh, was a way for me to trigger, um, financing to get the script developed and to find producing partners. Um, and 
that was done with the support within of the Nunavut Film Commission, uh, and and that was really fantastic. And we were able to do uh, kind of a really kind of unique casting process in the sense that we it wasn't um, formal auditions. It was it was actually more of a workshop format, an acting workshop with. Uh, Christine Tutu, who ended up working in our props department, helping us out. And we were workshopping pages of the script for the proof of concept and, and trying out different girls in different roles. And then, um, so we filmed this proof of concept. And then once the, once the script was written a couple of years later, and we were able to, to get going, then we started doing casting um, in earnest to kind of fill out the cast and, and some people had aged into different roles. And so that was a, um, a bit of that process. And, and, and that's where we found Tassiana um, and we were able to, um, and, and Frankie who plays uh, the, the youngest, who was eight years old when we started uh, filming the movie. Um, and so that was a, a really special to kind of to find to find the rest of our cast and and Frankie is actually the younger sister of Alexis who plays Jesse um, even though she plays Tassiana's younger sister in the movie and finding her was really funny because I just knocked on Alexis's door to pick her up one day and Frankie opened the door she's like hi I'm Frankie and then she just started <laughs> talking and was very confident and I was already looking for a for a young actor so it was um it was great. And for Tassiana, your character is Micah. She is, uh, this is an ensemble cast. I wouldn't even say necessarily that lead because you guys all share the same screen time. And now the job that you were in the proof of concept um, short. So for the both of you, what was it like being cast for this story and being basically getting to be heroes in the story that's centered around girls? Because all the protagonists, are girls and I think that's amazing because they're, they're not only all girls but like, as you mentioned um, Frankie she was younger right so you get these girls getting to be these places with language to cast and showing like that Inuit culture is for um it's empowering for young girls um yeah it was totally amazing it was I was so happy to be playing um, you know the protagonists, the heroes of the of the of the movie, <laughs> and especially to be able to express my indigenous identity at the same time as um, experiencing this um, amazing like production. I just um, I was really so thankful and uh, grateful for the entire for the entire. Um, experience itself but also like it was just so like almost epic to to watch to watch the 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 filming process and and seeing everything go down and now it um yeah it was, the whole thing was just amazing and to be like one of the main characters in this um feature film was amazing and it was nice because I already like knew the whole cast or most of the all, all the cast, and we all got along. Um, it was just really cool to like see myself on screen and look at me and the other girls on this like actual movie screen and stuff like that. Um, and so the thing with your characters is that they seem to kind of have a 
uh, very antagonistic or, you know, like <laughs> kind of like acrimonious relationship at the beginning. And that is something very familiar to me. I have a twin sister and I went to an all girls secondary school. So like when I, the dynamic is very familiar for some people, like why, why do girls like bicker? I'm like, this is what girls do. Um, so can you just talk about those scenes? Because it seems like Micah is like bullying Uki a lot, right? And then she does say some hurtful comments. And I will admit, I said like, why is she so hostile? Like this girl is hostile about everything. <laughs> she's like, she is, and she's kind of funny, but it's also like, you need to tone it down a bit. So can you talk about just filming those scenes <laughs> and working through that dynamic as, um, as the cast and with Nyla as your director? Yeah. <laughs> um totally I totally find the character of Micah and the character of Oakley they were so they were constantly clashing and colliding with their with their viewpoints and and they both have such uh, great confidence and they're both so stubborn that they 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 want to be you know the the sort of um like dominant uh friends in the friend group and it's all like a competition for like the attention and who's right and you know who's the stupid one but um it was it was really just uh funny to see it all and and to be reading the lines like i believe i made a remark about Oki's family and like her drunk grandma and it was really like I would never say these things in person but it was also kind of fun to uh, to play the role of somebody who was so completely like no filter like hostile it was it was very funny but um yeah I really enjoyed <laughs> I really enjoyed the different point of view but um uh yeah it was just so great to 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 watch it to watch it unfold as mm -hmm. Micah has a bit of a chip on her shoulder and Tassiana <laughs> is very sweet and so there there is a you know <laughs> it's quite a difference and for you knowledge I was like because this is your first film role this is your first acting role and like I know for I, I imagine sometimes when like Tassiana is delivering these lines and like they are like kind of hurtful and they're kind of mean um, what was like how did you work through that I did do some like other smaller acting jobs, but Slashback was my first big major role. Um, I was like, okay, you gotta act sad, knowledge us. Gotta think about something sad, and I just like really didn't know what to do. Um, I got some good points from our acting coach Melissa, but I was like, oh, okay, knowledge us, you got this. Act sad, act sad, or like just act hurt. And I, I would but I would want to do it again. But I think I did do like an okay job at doing that. No, you did. I think you did a pretty good job because I might kind of I I tried to imagine who I was at that age, and there were girls that were in school that were me. And one thing about being a girl is you learn how to survive. <laughs> you have to learn how to survive working in an environment with girls. And for you, Nyla, can you talk about creating that dynamic as part of the story? Because that your situation between both of these characters actually helps drive the story along. Because like they learn that each other more than they appear, especially for um, for Uki, because like she be, she's been underestimated and she does have some insecurities, but this adventure, as you say, actually helped build her self-confidence. Yeah, and I think that like, um, as women, there's often times that we're underestimated and it's really frustrating. And there's an anger that can kind of come up 
and and that that when when you're being underestimated. And I think that sometimes that kind of you know comes out in weird ways, and sometimes you take it out on the people you love the most, which when you're you know 13, 14 is your friends. And I and I know that for me that was such an emotional time for me growing up where my my friendships just really were the most important thing to me but it's also this time where you feel like there's so that like the weight of the world is on your shoulders and you have there's all this pressure to be figuring out who you are and what what you want to be doing with your life and and I think as an indigenous woman an indigenous teenager there's this added la- layer of, of shame in your indigeneity that you have to that maybe you have to process and and work on to kind of reframe this shame as as pride and and certainly working and developing this script with young actors in Hollywood like we did with these girls we could just see the ways you know just like when I was 13 um the same kinds of emotions and and feelings and dynamics among friends um, you could see that 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 just like kids in Toronto are going through those things and processing them, kids in uh, in Nunavut are are going through the exact same things. Um, whether and even if they're going through an alien invasion. Mm. And one of the things that I think the film does um, discuss in a very subtle way is, um, or maybe not so subtle, um, is how society, especially Western society, um, kind of makes children, especially children of color and those from ethnic communities, um, feel insecure about their own background and about their own heritage. And me, I'm from the Caribbean, I'm from Barbados, so like some days when you see how the Caribbean and other ethnic cultures like um, indigenous cultures and like from Nunavut and the Inuit cultures are portrayed, you know that Western, especially white media, they don't portray them in the best light all the time. And I kind of got a sense that from Micah, she's kind of like the the avatar, you would say, for like a lot of the um, ideas and feelings that a lot of teenagers growing up today have about the situation because they think that their hometown, their heritage is not as good as anywhere else because she talks about going to winnipeg because she believes that winnipeg is like you know like would it would be so perfect there she has no idea of like how racism and xenophobia would affect her when she, when she goes to another town or city and like keep it real we know like canada can be is very has is very racist towards people from indigenous communities but she doesn't fully understand that so talk about that aspect of the story and explore that with this particularly with young girls. For both of you, for um, um, Tatiana and Fernanda Jones, I talk about exploring that part of it, especially having your own identity and your own ideas about the story and your own experiences. Yeah, totally. For me, I, I've related a lot to Micah, um, even while filming the movie. I was still, um, like, between my younger ages, I was, um, I was really... Um, ashamed of my identity as a um as an uh you know like an Inuit girl and I really I really was I grew up wanting to be white and I I grew up wanting to live in the south like in in Ottawa or in Toronto where I felt like I could um live a happier life because just because um 
I wasn't surrounded by my culture and I could just pretend to be, you know, white and I could just erase my Inuka way. But um, growing up and especially during this film, I really like learned to um, embrace my identity and and just learn to love who I am because I do have a beautiful culture and I'm just so in love with, with every aspect of it. And I feel like portraying Micah in that way was really important to show um, girls like me who were very uh, insecure about who they were and, and just her growth throughout the movie of learning to, to love herself as an indigenous um, woman. Um, I think for Okay, she didn't like really, like she didn't exactly embrace her like Inuit identity. She just like it kind of accepted it. She like she's like, yeah, I'm you know, so what? Like she wasn't like quite like Micah. I she's like, I I like Pang. I I don't I don't really care about Winnipeg. I like it here. Um, I think I kind of relate to that. There's some people in like my school who's like Inuk or whatever. Like just using like stuff like like Inuit identities as an insult. It's just I like who I am. I accept it. I'm not going to make it like my whole like entire personality right now. It's just a part of me. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, this is so great to hear these these um, girls talk like this. It's it's so um, you know when I was certainly I'm I had to go through a process of figuring out my identity, and then there's times where I'm feeling like, am I Enoch enough, or it's these these kinds of things that can that, that can get really complicated. And and when you're a teenager, it, it's a hard. You just start kind of wanting to fit in, and and talking to the young cast, even in the development phase of the script, I would hear things like them say, "Oh, that's so Enoch. I don't want to wear that. That's so Enoch." And I'd be like, "What does that mean?" And and it'd be like. And we'd kind of break it down and it would, and, and, it, and it would essentially just, we started to realize like, oh, this is, we're talking, it's not that it's, you know, there's, it's just that there's shame here. And, and how do we kind of, how do we as like a group of young uh, Inuit women working together, how do we empower ourselves and, and speak with prideful language? And, and it was such an amazing experience to be with, um, with each other and with other Inuit on our crew and then non-Indigenous crew who are with us, who were really open to learning about where we came from and, and allowing us opportunities to share. Um, it was a really rewarding experience. Like something you just said there that really caught my interest. So like, we, like they would say, like, as the girl said, um, you say, oh, that's so, you know, and you, and you mean it in a in a negative way and the funny thing is like because like the film does as i said talk about white supremacy and, and the ideas of how you know like western like, of being or trying to fit into a western society or a white western society and it kind of made me think like how cultural appropriation actually kind of ties into that because like we see how indigenous culture and aesthetics and iconography and you know is appropriated by non-indigenous people and then it suddenly turned cool like for goodness sakes like talking about um using an example of avatar the last airbender we know that that show has has like inuit and other um arctic um 
communities like represented within it, within the art, within the characters themselves and the costuming. And it's fun. It's it's like you know, it's considered cool. And it is one of the most popular um, IPs and cartoons ever in the in existence. And but then to hear that you girls from from that whole from that very same culture are kind of embarrassed by it, but then you have people cosplaying as the characters based on your culture at like San Diego Comic Con and on TV shows and stuff. And it's just like it kind of shows you like how when when these things happen, like people don't think about how it's affecting you. You know, it's just all about them getting them, them getting the praise and getting the glory to make these things cool. But the people where the cult the, the cultures where they come from don't see it cool because like like society hasn't made have, hasn't I guess you could say validated your own culture. But then it, it comes to the point that the girl that you guys um in the film say, you know what, we don't really need validation. We gotta embrace it for ourselves and embrace it um as who we are as a people. So I just think that I think that's probably one of my favorite aspects of the film. Just like always oh, talking about embracing your your culture and your heritage. You don't need anyone to validate you. Thank you so much. Right. And and speaking about that, so one of the things that the film does, like it is like action. You do have action. And the action happens, which I think is fascinating when like um the girls they put on the the, the tattoos. You know, they do the face the traditional face painting, which is um from my research is done usually when there's a transition. So womanhood. So talk about that, Nyla, about using that, just like combining that um, aspect of the culture into an action genre, because you're saying this is the more where it's starting you know, to start kicking butt and, you know, and killing aliens and, you know, like saving our town. Yeah. Uh, I, I think um, tattoos are, are kind of an interesting part of, of the film, also just because in, in Nunavut, for, for Inuit, we, there was a time where a couple of generations were sent to residential school and essentially kept from speaking their language, practicing their t traditions. Things like drum dancing and, and tattoos and shamanism were, were rebranded as, as devil worship. And, and so it was essentially seen as something really bad to do. And through representation, including by one of our, our producers, Alethiana Kokoril, who made a really beautiful documentary about Inuit tattoos, there was uh, a, a realization of what they actually meant, a reclamation of tattoos. And really, it was like kind of overnight, Inuit women started um, getting eyeliner and, and drawing tattoos on their face and changing the designs. And I think when you talk to most Inuit women, it, most of them have ideas of the traditional tattoos they would get if they were to get them. Um, it's just something that you think about because it, they're beautiful. And, and I mean, it is a big step to tap, to tattoo your beautiful face, but it's like, you know, it also is um, a special thing for Inuit women. Um, and so to have that be a part of, of the film and be, especially something that gives the girls the confidence to, to kind of take on this um, this alien invasion and, and feel like they they want to be fighting for this this place they're from, I think is really cool. Mm. And um, you mentioned the documentary. I think I saw that. That show, I think, at the 2019 Toronto International Film Festival, or was it 2020? A short film, right? Um, no, I think what you're talking about is another film by... Um, by 
a really amazing filmmaker. Uh, I will remember her name, but no, Alethea, Alethea's film came out about 10 years ago, if not a little bit longer than that. And it, it's beautiful. Mm, I, I, actually, um, lines. I actually have um, tattoos by oh, Alicia cool. Almacuperial that like, um, like mean, like there's Sedna, goddess of the sea. Where like she cut off her fingers so like you know us could have like our seals to eat and like provide for us. So like I have wait, okay. Um I have these types of that. Do you plan to get any more? Um, I actually don't know. I haven't really like thought about it anymore, but it would be cool to get some more like enemy tattoos. Um I don't know. Just see how it goes. And that is the perfect segue to my next question, which is the in, um, the inclusion of Inuit folklore into the story and, and you know, like combining the first horror aspect of Inuit folklore, you know, the stories of like, I think the character was, she said, Greyface, um, that Uki talked about. And uh, then like, uh, use, and, pardon? The Kalupilu or Kalupilui, Kalupili. There's a, it's a, that's what I kind of love is that you know, regionally there's different kinds of names names for it, but these different myths and legends that are um, essentially cautionary tales and also just ways to um, to pass down knowledge, and often they take the form of really terrifying stories, which is also part of the fun. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I think that, that certainly those kinds of, of mythologies or legends, um, are just something you kind of grow up with in Nunavut. Um, and there's the Alexis, who is one of our, who plays Jessie. She's, she, um, it, it didn't end up making, it, I don't think it made it into the, to the movie, but she was talking about the Machaha myth that was in the script at one point, this kind of tickle monster. And that was something that her dad had been telling her. Um, so it's, you know, it is really nice to have, have these little um, moments where we, where these are mentioned because they are part of um, conversation. Like we still, like we talk about these things because they're fun to talk about. Mm, I think for most ethnic cultures, um, those a lot of folk tales do tend to be pretty scary because it's basically it just like as you said, they're caught. A lot of them are cautionary tales and warnings of just like don't mess with the wrong thing because you will face consequences. And um, so I always think that's interesting. Like no matter like, around the world, like a lot of cultures have like similar stories with like you know similar themes and like morals. Like say, don't mess with the dark side, <laughs> or if you do, tread lightly. <laughs> Um, so now I want to talk. I I want to know if I'm reading this wrong. So for like the the aliens, like they're called skins, and the way how you how the uh, practical effects are done for for the human versions, I was wondering like is were those a reference to like Jason Voorhees? Because that's all I kept thinking. Like he looks like Jason, and so I wanted to know about your inspiration from like contemporary um horror and sci-fi films and and mythology and in, in incorporating into the story. Yeah, I think that definitely there's lots of different references from different movies kind of throughout. I that was kind of my way into movies is watching them <laughs> and just obsessively watching horror movies. Um, so Hitchcock and Birds was, I think, one of the first really scary movies that I ever saw. 
um, and kind of was a, made a big impact because it was, I was really young and it was just like, oh, wow, that's, that's cool. I want to try and see more of that. And certainly some of those 70s horror and, um, and Leatherface and, and uh, all of those, those type, Texas Chainsaw Massacre had, had some influence on, on the project and, and also just are, um, for me, a, a real kind of, um, it, it, it was, it just seemed like a, lo a lot of fun to be trying to figure out how to do as much of the effects practically as possible and getting to there to work with this amazing contortionist named Troy. His Instagram is at Twisty Troy and he's amazing and you can check out his other work. Um, but he can just do crazy things with his body. And so it was like, how do we, how do we capture that? And so for our actors that get turned into aliens, building skin suits and, um, and then having Troy and Aphelio figure out, okay, what would the move, what would a, an alien move like if it was made up of a bunch of tentacles and embodying a, a human? Um, and, and it, it was, it was really kind of fun to play around with that. And um, I spoke a bit about the action. So for for you, um, now Joseph and Tiziana, what was your experience? What was it like getting to film? Because we talked a bit about the dynamics between the girls, like like their whole like um, acrimonious dynamic. But then there's also the action. You did you did get to do um, a bit of action. So what was that like for you? I did like have some practicing with like some stunts for some parts. I think that was really fun to do because I didn't really get to do a whole lot of like the action side. We did have like a bunch of like stunt doubles and stuff like that. So I did get to do some of the stuff, which was really fun as well. Like it was really fun to do. Like all I could say it was like so fun just doing like the stuff, the stunts. Yeah, and you got to choreograph with, with Alicia, our stunt coordinator, and and um, in particular, what knowledge Joss gets gets into her own fight with an alien, and so so there was some choreography work that was done, and and um, and fighting with with a human in a green suit with a, a puppet on their hand was was probably yeah. a challenge. Um, was there anything that after the film was made and you guys saw it for the first time that something for each all three of you that maybe came out kind of like a revela uh, revelation for you after you saw the film like you, you, it was something that you didn't think about before whether it has to do with the stories or um your, your character arcs or just like the overall theme of it being a sci-fi like for the for, like for instance you're just thinking oh my gosh i'm finally in the in a feature film, I'm in a sci-fi, I'm in a genre film, and it's showing at um, South by Southwest. So is there anything that once it was finished and you saw it that you were just like, oh my gosh, this thing. Yeah, this this whole entire movie I didn't think was going to be um, at, at at this potential. I, I honestly, when I first heard of, um, you know, the whole summary of the movie and being able to audition, I really... I didn't know that it was going to be um, a, as big as a movie as it is now. I I honestly thought it was just going to be like a small film that was going to be shared within the small town of Ithaluid and and we didn't really like, um, <laughs> you know, I, I had no idea. But 
But as I as I began to to learn how much of a big deal it was going to be and, and how how serious this was, I was actually I I had put a lot I put um a lot more focus and um confidence in trying to trying to learn how to you know um be a better actor and and take in take in as much um uh coaching as I could just so I can um provide the 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 best the best uh version of Micah that could be pro- that could be provided um for me it was like when I first watched the movie it was like the special effects I was blown away I was like wow this is so crazy like to get myself like see myself next to like an alien it just looks so cool and weird it was like whoa whoa I'm in a movie like a horror sky flower what's it called Wait, what is it called? Who knows? <laughs> like, I'm in a sci-fi movie. Like, that's, like, the like, one of the coolest, like, the best experience to be in a movie is, like, with all these, like, special effects and, like, getting to see the movie after. Like, during the movie, like, you don't really see that much. You, you're kind of, like, talking to, like, this, like, piece of rubber or something. And then to get, like, to see, like, an actual, like, alien or something like that, it's just... Blown away, blown away. And for you, Nyla, like, yeah. um, like, you, like this film was a challenge to make for you, not only just getting like, you know, funding and getting it made, but like, for, you also, for you also, um, you had some challenges getting it. So, like, was it like for you not to see the fruits of your labor, as we say, after all of this time? Because it did take um, some, some time to get it done. Yeah, it's a really long process. Making movies is really hard. It's a it's a team effort. You're not sure what you're going to necessarily get at the end. Um, my producers and I have been working together um, on this project for a really long time. I've been working with this cast for a really long time. Um, so it's been a, a really special experience. It was also my first uh first time directing. So it was a very ambitious project to start with. Now that I know the job, it's kind of like, what the heck was I thinking? But it's, um, but it really was this, it was like lesson after lesson. And we had such an amazing crew who was so experienced and so supportive. Um, My assistant director, Ryan Highland, and my cinematographer guy godfrey in particular were just amazing and so it was um yeah it was it was really wonderful and and now that um i kind of know what i i um you know i'm up for i think that this next project it's uh i've got a second script it's so much simpler it's um it's unbelievable And we have, I think I have time for one more question. So there's something I'd want to ask you. So the music for this film is very interesting in that you do not only use like traditional and contemporary um, music, but there is from the, fir- the, the first scene, the first sequence is a bike chasing, you know, and the music that's used, I think like, I want to like commend you and your editors because like, I think that the music actually drives that scene very well. And that whole sequence, I think it's very well done with the music. So talk a bit about the music um and use and like finding um 
the people that you work with because uh, you're one of them. It was is your dad, and he is a he is a drummer, I believe. That's what I read in the first notes. And then you worked with um, the composer's um, hallucination. So just talk about finding the musicians to create the song for this film. Yeah, the music process was really um, complicated and and really great to kind of figure out. We very early on before um, I'd gotten financing for the movie, uh, Hallucination at the time they were, the, the group, was, the DJ group was called The Tribe Called Red. They, they changed their name to Hallucination. They um, offered their services to do music for this movie because they really liked the idea. Bear's a friend of mine and it was kind of one of these things that I was like, what? You want to do music for Slashback? Like, absolutely. And and I, I'm just a huge fan of their of their music. And, and they do such cool work incorporating Indigenous sounds with very um, contemporary electronic dance music. And so it was really neat to work with them and be in their um, studio space, hearing things that they were coming up with. Kim came up with that, what we call the life theme, the, the theme on the water um, with, with um, Micah and her father. And that really helped inform some of our other music. We um, got to work with Tanya Jagak, who's this amazing throat singer who's collaborated with Hallucination before. And she essentially provided all of these like test vocals of herself doing really kind of crazy stuff with her voice, um, doing throat singing, which is a traditional form of um, Inuit um, singing. And so her voice helped create the alien sounds. And then we also then brought on Michael Brooks, who's this fantastic composer, um, Canadian living in LA. Um, and we, they, uh, Michael and his and his assistant worked with Hallucination to essentially merge those elements of a traditional score with um, with the tracks that uh, the original score that Hallucination had created for the film. Mm. I've heard of a tribe called Red. I didn't realize that they had changed their, their name. So yeah, so I love the music for it. The first set of music actually kind of reminds me of the music from the Caribbean. So I thought it was interesting. Yeah. That yeah. Um, thank you. So, we're gonna wrap it up. Thank you so much for speaking with me, and congrats on the film, everyone, and for a successful showing at South by Southwest. Brace yourselves. Festival season is not easy, so drink lots of water, stay <laughs> Um Again, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much to everyone for listening to this episode of Caroline Talks, where I was joined by director and writer Nella Inuksuk to talk about her new film, Slashback, which stars the actresses Tishiana Shirley and Nala Joss Osworth, who also joined Nella to speak to me about their film, which had its premiere at the 2022 South by Southwest Film Festival. You can visit the southbysouthwest.com site to learn more about the film and where you can possibly find screening locations in your neighborhood. Um, and I will also be providing links in the description for the podcast as well. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. And thank you so much to every, um, everyone who's joined me for the past two years. And for, um, for um, Carolyn Talks, I've had a tremendous time doing all of the interviews for film festivals, doing coverage for Sundance, South by Southwest TIFF. 
as well as my coverage with the African American Film Critics Association for the um, Africa Virtual Roundtables. Those have been great. And my other podcast, here's what happened with, with my co-host, Nanisha Campbell, where we talk about all the good things nerdy in TV, manga, books, um, film. We have we, we have such a great time every episode. And also for everyone who's been listening to my podcast, Beyond the Romance, where I talk about Asian dramas, which are also included in, on my YouTube channel under my name, Carolyn Hines. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12. C-A-R-R-I-E-C-N-H-1-2. To learn more about me and my work, you'll find my work posted either in my pinned tweets or in my link tree account posted in my bio. I am a Rotten Tomato approved critic, which means I have work published everywhere online. I have reviews that are posted on the Rotten Tomato site, as well as I said on various other publication platforms. I've been having a great time. It's hard, but I've been having so much fun. And so again, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And until the next one, please stay safe. Thank you.